discreet, the most reliable. Not for a moment would the men in the back seat think him anything less than absolutely loyal. He rolled down the window, and then with a small portable device vacuumed up the cigarette butts. The boss smoked like a fiend, but hated when his car smelled like stale cigarettes in the morning. It was relaxing to do something as safe and routine as this. Then he glanced around the garage again to make sure he was unobserved and felt the surge of adrenaline. It was time. He reached under the well-padded, tufted leather seat, his fingers touching the metal springs until he felt the cold metal oblong. He slid it carefully off its bracket and pulled it out. To anyone else, it would have appeared nothing more than a curious black metal object, perhaps part of the seat's undercarriage. It was not. He depressed the tiny lever on one side, and a microcassette tape was ejected into his open palm. Quickly, he pocketed the tape and replaced the disguised West German tape recorder beneath the seat. Then he got out, closed and locked the car doors, and began to whistle softly as he walked up toward the street. The chauffeur had scheduled the drop in the customary manner. Around noon, while his boss was at work at the Central Committee building on Staraya Square, he had strolled out to the liquor store on Shakassi Boulevard and asked the bald salesman for a liter of vodka. If the man had handed him a bottle of pepper vodka instead of the plain stuff, that would have meant trouble. But today it was plain vodka, which signaled all clear. Now the streets were dark and deserted, wet with the rain that had come a few hours earlier. He walked out to the ring road and headed south, toward Vostinia Square. A cluster of young women, probably students, laughing excitedly, quieted as they passed him, perhaps confusing his crisp uniform with the blue epaulettes of the KGB's ninth directorate for that of a militiaman, and then burst into giggles. After a few minutes, he came to a public restroom down a flight of concrete stairs. The acrid smell of urine got stronger and more overpowering as he descended. The granite and concrete facility was lit by a bare bulb on the ceiling, which cast a yellowish glare over the fetid interior, its urinals and broken porcelain sinks and splintered wooden toilet stalls. His footsteps echoed as he entered. The restroom was empty. At half-past midnight, who but drunks and vagrants would be in this vile place? He entered a stall and closed the wooden door, fastening the latch. The smell here was oppressive. The chauffeur gagged. Goddamn filthy Muscovites. He held his breath and spotted the graffiti-covered patch of wall where the bricks and mortar were especially uneven. He grasped the edge of one of the bricks and pulled at it. Slowly, it came out, the loose mortar crumbling onto the discolored concrete floor below. He hated this location more than the others, much more than the bakery or the shoe repair place or the poster shop, for it felt so much more deserted and exposed. But he supposed there was some logic behind their choosing such a loathsome drop site. It was there, of course. They never failed. He drew out the small, newspaper-wrapped package and opened it quickly. Enveloped in a wad of rubles, which there was no need to count since they never cheated him, was a new, cellophane-sheathed cassette tape. He noticed that his hands were trembling. He put the package in his front coat pocket, placed the recorded tape in the crevice, and then nudged the brick back into place, which was when he heard something. Someone had walked into the restroom. He froze for a moment and listened. The footsteps weren't crisp. They were somehow soft, as if made by a pair of felt boots. But that was ridiculous. No one wore those anymore, except old men and peasants and vagrants. 
There's nothing to worry about, he told himself. This is a public place, and ordinary people will be coming in here, and it has nothing to do with you. It's nothing to worry about. It's not the KGB. You're perfectly safe. He flushed the toilet and almost retched when he saw that it would not flush, and he stood there for a moment, listening, dizzy from fear. The footsteps had ceased. He slowly, casually unlatched the door of the cubicle and saw who it was. An old drunk, a pathetic old drunk, standing huddled in a corner in his felt boots and lousy worn pants and cheap nylon jacket, bearded and disheveled and desperate. The chauffeur felt a wave of relief. In a quarter of an hour, he would be in Varushka's arms. He gradually let out his breath as he nodded brusquely at the drunk, who looked at him and spoke. Give me a ruble, the drunk said, his words slurred. Get out.